Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Don't forget, guys, whether this is your first time, last time, one of many times, or only time that you're downloading Sam Roberts' wrestling podcast, do me a favor. I work very hard to make sure that I can get awesome content out to you every single week uh, for free. So all I'm asking you to do is go, if you're shopping at Amazon, go to notsam.com slash Amazon. Use that as the website address. The website that you get is the exact same Amazon. No different. The prices are all the same. The website is the same. It's literally Amazon. But a small chunk of what you spend will go to me instead of going to Amazon. And it will help me keep this podcast alive and keep doing what I'm doing for you here each and every week. You can also subscribe if you don't already on iTunes. And leave me a review, please. It's a big, big help. Now let's get on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. All right, another day, another podcast. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast here from the Roberts Family Studio. I'm very excited about uh, getting this show out. Well, I don't know. I'm. Uh, this show was down to the last minute. My guest this week is X-Pac, and uh, literally this interview was taped a couple of hours before the podcast is being put out. You know, a lot of times, and on a lot of podcasts, we get to bank interviews sometimes weeks, days in advance. I very rarely am doing my interviews the day the podcast gets released, but it's 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 the night that the podcast is getting released. And the reason that I wanted to do that uh, was because, number one, I only wanted to to do this if X-Pac wanted to. The, the, the reason that this show exists to me is so that wrestling fans can come together and, and appreciate wrestling and talk about wrestling and learn about their favorite wrestlers. Like, I, it, it's completely to me, from my perspective, which is the perspective of a fan that likes to watch the show and likes and is obsessed with wrestling. And, and I just want to talk about how, how cool it is. And I want to get the opportunity to have conversations with guys and share those conversations with you. I, 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 and, and that's what the podcast is all about. It's never been about uh, breaking news. It's never been about uh, getting headlines. It's ne- that's why we don't I, – I try not to chase stories. To me, the takeaway from Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is usually just getting a better idea of the people – that we talk to and who they are and kind of learning about these guys and girls uh, from a human perspective. But X-Pac is the f- one of the one of my first pro wrestlers that I would have considered a buddy uh, very years ago. Early on into this broadcasting thing, uh, I did an interview with X-Pac and that's where I met him. 
Uh, ironically, the interview that I did with X-Pac, I did because a friend, a, 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 a friend that we both had put us in contact because X-Pac was stuck in New York because uh, I believe he was busted in a New York airport with weed. Uh, at the time, X-Pac was not in as good a shape as he is in today. Uh, over the years, uh, he's been in, in uh, you know, various states. I've never seen him in a, in a terrible state, but I've seen him in various states. And I was disheartened by the news that broke last weekend that X-Pac had disappeared because the guy that I know, number one, is done with that lifestyle, and number two, doesn't miss shows. He really, he takes pride in that. The last time I hung out with X-Pac, well, I hung out with X-Pac at WrestleMania, and we had a great time watched a bunch of the matches. I think I might have said that. Uh, but the time before that, I went out to L.A. and was literally just hanging out with him. We went to the mall. We went to a movie. We saw Get Out together. And he's on a sugar-free diet. He's not drink. He, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything. He watches what he eats. He exercises. He, uh, he, he smokes weed and does edibles and stuff like that. That's what he does and to me based on where he's come from i think that that's pretty good especially because i don't personally smoke weed but i also don't and i've never seen anything to me that would lead me to believe that it's all that harmful at all uh and as a matter of fact i think uh when i look at somebody like xbox quite frankly it helps him a lot um so i but but the person that I've seen over the last year or so is as healthy as I've ever seen him. Is it's it's inspiring how healthy he is. He's happy all the time. He's just he's he's living his life as if it wasn't guaranteed to him, uh, which I think is partly true. You know, uh, he's been on my show on Sirius. There's all kinds of interviews that I've done with him on YouTube. Now we've we've done tons of interviews together, and inevitably every time. We end up talking about his past and a lot of his drug use and some of the wild stories that come from that drug use. And some are funny and some are sad and some are scary. And there's, there's, you know, they run the gamut. But I wanted to extend the offer to have him on this show because for all the amusement that we've gotten out and entertainment, I should say, that we've gotten out of some of his stories of times in his life that weren't so great, I thought that this of all times would be an appropriate time a time when he is in headlines across newspapers that say that he has been arrested for meth for having meth and possibly trying to sell meth i was like that's not that's not the guy i know as soon as i saw it i said that's that's not the guy i know and i reached out to him when while nobody knew where he was and and he ended up getting back to me when he could um and and i think i was right and i believe him when he says that it, he did not have meth on him. He hasn't had meth on him in a long time. He wasn't planning on selling any drugs. Um, and uh, he's, he, it, it, what he's being charged with is, is inaccurate. And I believe him when he tells me that. And, and I know that's tough. And I, I said something about it on Twitter. And what I got back from a lot of people was that, you know, he's an addict and he shouldn't, he's not to be believed. Which, you know, is a sad thing for people who are fans of this guy and are fans of his work to not give him the benefit of a doubt, I think is a little bit unfair, especially when I'm telling you that I know this man on a personal level. 
and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm putting myself out there and allowing him this show to kind of get a more positive message out there and to tell the truth about what's going on that you might not read in the TMZ articles and stuff. He also has a great podcast called X-Pac 12360 where he does – he talks about uh, wrestling. He talks about what's going on this week and then he interviews uh, different superstars, which you can get on YouTube and iTunes. It's X-Pac 12360. But this week, right before I had him on this podcast, he uh, had Ryan Satin from Pro Wrestling Sheet on with him to ask him questions and kind of ran through uh, everything that happened with the arrest, what's true, what's not true, what's fair, what's not fair. Uh, and uh, I wanted you all to have a firsthand account of what happened. So I reached out to X-Pac, and again, you know, I, I, I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't ambulance chasing on this one because he's a friend. He's not somebody that I'm chasing to try to, you know, get on, like, oh, I want to be on top of this story. Like, that's kind of gross to me. But his story is not being told in a fair way, in my opinion. His voice is not being heard the way the voices of other people involved in the story are. And I thought that's where we could come in at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and give X-Pac the opportunity to tell his side of the story. And, you know, and it's not unbiased because, like I said, he's a friend and I know he's in a good mental state right now. Um, and I frankly don't believe that he's doing meth at the moment. I could be wrong, but I I just I don't believe him. I mean I don't believe that that he's doing that. I don't believe him him being the person who's saying that he was traveling with meth and 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 he's got an explanation. You know, I'm interested to see what happens with this case, but uh enough of me babbling about it. Let's give X-Pac the opportunity to tell his story of what happened last weekend when he was arrested at LAX on his way to a show in England. Um, it's being reported he had cannabis, meth, and uh, cash on him, which led to uh, in the intent to sell. So though that that's kind of what is in these articles that are coming out. And this is X-Pac to tell his side of the story this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, I thought this only appropriate because uh, the last time uh, X-Pac got busted in an airport, it led to our, <laughs> our first interview. So why not this time? Uh, X-Pac, man, it's good, to, it's good to talk to you. Oh, it's great to talk to you, Sam. Always great. Uh, I, I, I hit you up of course, like uh, last weekend or whatever, when this news came, you know, the first dramatic report was that yeah. X-Pac had disappeared. And I want to, like, uh, say, like, straight up, because I don't know how many people can or will speak to this. Like, I've known you for a while. And yeah. I said this on, on the radio, too, when we talked about it, that, like, I hung out with you at WrestleMania, but I also hung out with you a few weeks before that, remember out in LA? We oh, went here to, in LA, yep. Yeah, we went to the movies and stuff. And like, you are, and I told you then, mentally, physically, and in all personality-wise, in all aspects, you're far and away as healthy and together and everything as I've ever 
seen you. Like, and and it's not. And and I say that I preface it by saying I've seen you multiple times since you've been out yeah. in L.A. Because yeah. it's like this is this is who you are. And I know your social circle now. It's like they're the, this this kind of guy who you would talk about, you know, and you've talked about previously when you've done my show is not the guy that I know today. No, not the same person at all. I, and, uh, you know, I, and, and Sam, you know, the people that I have around me, the, the people I surround myself with now. Yeah. And, and I mean, amazing people, Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, uh, you know, people like that. Yeah. And, and, um, like you know, I've already said this. I, I I can understand why people would doubt my story, considering my past. But it, that's that's exactly that. It's my past, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 you know, I'm doing as well right this moment as I was when you and I were standing there uh, side of the stage at WrestleMania watching Goldberg and uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and and it's like it's not. I just. I felt like, you know, because I can actually speak to it. And I wouldn't lie about it, you know. I, I, if, if I wouldn't it w- want you to. I wouldn't want you to, Sam. Yeah. I want you to. If it weren't true, I would probably come on and be like, you know, I love X-Pac, but the guy's got some problems and blah, blah, blah. And that's just, that's not what I'm saying here. So I, I, I listened and watched your podcast uh, with you explaining this whole thing to Ryan Satin. And I recommend everybody go out and do that. And not just for this, but because you do a good show. It's X-Pac 12360, and it's on YouTube, and it's on iTunes and everything. But I would hope that people will give you the benefit of a doubt in the sense that – so the story breaks out that uh, you are – the police are charging you with having uh, cannabis and meth and cash on you. Which right. somehow means that you're a drug dealer uh, <laughs> in the airport, and you've kind of come forward and said, "Look, I I had cannabis on me because I always do. Like that's something that you've always been pretty open about. That that, yeah. that I've always been fairly completely open about it, actually. Yeah, because I'm not ashamed of it. You know, there's nothing zero to be ashamed of about it. Right, and I, I especially uh, considering. Uh, I use it medicinally. Like, I mean, as, as opposed to the benzodiazepines and the opiates and, and, and all that I used to use. Yeah, I, I mean, and also I I did want to mention too that when I was hanging out with you last time, like not only are you not doing anything beyond cannabis, you're not eating sugar, you're not drinking <laughs> yeah. soda. Like you weren't getting, right. you didn't get popcorn at the movie, you didn't get soda at the movie. Like you're you're on a completely non-sugar. Yeah. Are, are you I vegetarian? Think, no, I'm. I do. I, I eat a paleo style diet, like uh, uh, which is very low carb, high fat, high protein. Yeah. Um, and I eat a ton of greens. Uh, and and I don't eat sugar because it's a drug. It's a mood altering drug to me. What it, it, it is to everyone. So uh, I mean, that's why I don't. That's why I don't eat sugar. That that's just you know, uh, for me, it's just it's not a good thing. I, I just. You know, um, that's how far I've taken it as far as my health goes. Yeah. So in a nutshell, tell me what happened at the airport. Okay. I went to the, uh, do you want me to skip all the stuff before I got there? Like, like stopping at the dispensary to get my goodies and everything or my medicine? No, go ahead and, uh, and talk about it. Well, no, I just, I, you know, I 
stopped off at the dispensary on, on the way to the airport, picked up, you know, some, a few things, which they said were, you know, I could, couldn't, po- I couldn't possibly uh, consume them myself. How would they know what my dosage is? Well, um, what was it? It was, it was, uh, it was three, four bottles of, uh, uh, Cannabis pills, which were 35 milligrams each. I t- Sam, I, and this is a lot, like as far as edible uh, dosage goes, I take about 300 milligram at a time. Okay. Wow. So that's, that's one of those bottles. Wow. You know, and I mean, and, and that is a lot. I, my tolerance is really high for it. And that's when I'm on an airplane, you know, uh, because I have a uh, terrible time on airplanes. Like uh, it's, it's, it's not good. So, um, Hey, regardless, I mean, uh, I didn't get charged with cannabis, anyways. You know, okay. they could charge me with that. Right. There, there was, there was no, you know, uh, charge they could they could get anyone to take me for for that. So there, it's not even part of. The, that's why they had to make up the meth uh, part because they couldn't hold you on the cannabis stuff. Right. Well, I mean, if I'd have been in another state, it would have been fine for them. They would have, you know, got me arrested on possession of cannabis. You know, but not in California. They're not going to find, they couldn't find anybody to take me to jail. So, <laughs> so you get to the airport, you have your, your, your cannabis that's for you. Yeah. And, uh, and what else did you have on you? Uh, just, uh, those pills that they said were, were meth, which were, uh, for a candida infection I've had for quite a while. What's a candida infection? Yeast infection. How do you get But it's It's in the blood. Like. It could be. Uh, it could come, and it could come uh, a lot of different ways. One of which is through having sex, but I don't think that's how I got it. How do you? So how? But how do they mistake yeast infection pills for meth? That's just it, Sam. I kind of have a feeling they didn't really mistake it, but you know, I could be wrong. You yeah. know? Do you they know? Do they know who you were? Yeah. So they knew the stories, and they knew that, like. I'm okay, sure they did some, I, I'm sure once they had me in their in their mitts, I'm sure that they because they were they're right there looking at a computer the whole time. So I'm sure they could find whatever they wanted about me. So they knew they knew I was coming before I got there. Really? Yeah. Apparently, I mean, from that's how it, that's sure how it seemed. Once I got there, and I I, I uh, gave them my boarding pass, and they scanned it and set up this. Not like the normal sound when they scan it. It was more like a, you know, bad sound. Yeah, like it was obviously a, not a good sound, right? Thumbs down. You're not getting yeah, on today. I just knew that didn't sound good. <laughs> so, so you go. So, so you hear I that? Get, I, go, I, I go walk to the gate. Then going to walk down the jetway, and boom, there's customs. You know, and there's never customs leaving the country. Why would there be? Right. Right. Yeah, because you're still in the country. Right. Yeah. So customs uh, uh, find you, and, and and what do they do? Pull you, pull you aside. Yeah, and I tell them exactly what I have. Fully cooperate, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. Even though the guy said, "Well, oh, appreciate your cooperating." No, he didn't. I, I really don't get that impression. Uh, uh, but um, you know, the guy was a real hard ass. He just wasn't having any of it. And uh, and-, and and of course. And of course, Sam, you know, on paper, my past didn't help me at all. Of if course. It would have been, if it would have been Montel Williams traveling with cannabis, like he's like, like happened to him, like in Germany one time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure they would have treated Montel who served our country honorably um, for 
you know, a couple of decades in the Marines and, and the Navy, I'm sure they would have treated him a little differently than me. And I can totally understand that. Well, man, I, yeah, and it's it's tough for you. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you on this show because, like, I tweeted something. Like, you know, I was getting a bunch of tweets when the news broke on Monday, I guess it was, and I already spoken to you at that point. And so I just – because I was getting so many tweets, I tweeted something back to the effect of I've heard this is not all true because I knew – because we had talked about the, the meth thing because, you know, and and I started getting all these tweets back from people that were like – well, this guy's an addict, this guy's this, this guy's yeah. that, and I'm like, God damn, you've got an uphill battle. Yeah. Just and, in the court of public opinion. Exactly. And I get it. I get it, Sam. And I and I'm not mad at anybody. I'm really not. Even my friends that might doubt. Uh huh. The ones that haven't seen me in a while, haven't been around me, I get it. Yeah. And and, and don't feel bad for doubting it. Really don't. Well that's so so customs pulls you aside, you're cooperating. Yeah, and they kind of three. There was three guys, and obviously there was one guy that was the head honcho, and he was the one on a mission to make sure I was not leaving there without being in handcuffs. Wow. So you and and you did you kind of get that right away? Oh yeah, I just had a feeling that this was not going to go as well as it, you know, as it might with somebody else. And so, how long are you? So they bring you to what, like a private hours. Room? Yeah, hours, man. And they have all my stuff laid out. And oh, uh, So are you even thinking to yourself, like, I'm not going to make my flight. Like, what am I supposed oh, to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already knew I missed the flight. That's not happening, yeah. Now I was just wondering if I was actually going to be able to make the show at all. Yeah. You yeah, because that's the other thing. I mean, I, you're, you're, you're very prideful of not yes. missing shows. That's right. I mean, you've ta- we've talked about it before. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. And especially for some t- – luckily for IPW, they had a stacked card. If I'd have been their only star mm-hmm. you know, that they brought in, it would have really screwed them. And, yeah. I mean, even even now it, it screwed them. Yeah. So, And I feel awful about that, Sam. Terrible. So you're sitting in there for hours. They're going through all your stuff, is, and, and yeah. they're on the computers doing whatever. And, and so, what do you yeah. have to do? Like, what do you have to do as a person? Do you just sit there for hours? I just sat there, man. Just sat there with a smile on my face, and uh, well, not really a smile, but you know, I wasn't boo boo facing. Right. You know, just... I, and I was just taking, you know, hey, this is part of life, and it's, you know, it's the price I pay for, you know, um, choosing to use a medicine that's much safer for me. That happens to be federally uh, illegal on the federal level. So. Right. So you're uh, uh, there. They find it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me, Sam. My my health and everything is much more important. Yeah. Because you know what's kept you on this straight and narrow. You know what's enabled you to be at the place that you're at, which is, I mean, I, you know, it's as, not. It's just part of it. It's not like oh, cannabis. You know, like, cannabis is the is the whole key to everything. But it was a huge part of it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's also like you got to give credit to that to everybody like who will point out your addiction problems that have been really well documented by the way by you. You've never made any secret about anything. Right. The one thing in all the years that I've known you that even when you weren't in the best state of mind, you never really lied about stuff. And that's really a, a hallmark of drug addicts is lying. Yeah. And not that I haven't lied, Sam, because that's what we do and we're, you know, to yeah. get what we need and all that. But, I mean, I would – I'm very well maybe the most honest drug 
drug addict of all time? <laughs> I don't know. I think you're definitely the uh, most hey, honest drug addict that I know. I don't, I don't, I don't relate to being a drug addict anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I don't get up and walk around and feel like, uh, and don't, that doesn't mean I like I'm being cocky or like I, I put my guard down, but um, I don't white knuckle it on a daily basis. It's not like I'm on the edge of almost falling off like a lot of my friends. And you know? dude, like oh. I've I I don't I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I'm like yep. I'm very sober, but that also means I'm very aware of my surroundings. And I've hung out with a lot of addicts and former addicts and people like that. And I know the difference between somebody who's sober today and who's like figured it out for themselves you know what i mean like i I, you can tell a lot of the times when somebody's not done and it's it's kind of a a a weird nervous like "Ah, i don't know if i want to be around this versus like you know when when it's done when that part of your life is over at least you know where we're at it's you don't have that feeling anymore i don't have that feeling hanging out with 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 somebody like you and you know and and there's and when you're around that person there, you can tell they're just not comfortable in their skin. Like they're just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And man, I just, I feel so good. I feel so good. And I can promise you this hasn't changed that. Like, uh, you know, it sucked, Sam. It sucked being in solitary confinement for two days, but uh, I didn't, I didn't cry about it. And I had a, a smile on my face most of the time. And you know, I know too, you don't, last several times I've hung out with you, it's been for pretty long stretches of time, like hours and you never, you never disappear. An addict disappears and then comes back. You know what I mean? To take care of whatever they got to take care of. So they go get, you know, they go have a nip or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a dead giveaway that, that doesn't happen. Um, so you're, you end up in solitary confinement for two days. Yeah. Well, that's whenever I've been in jail, that's where they always put me. Why is that? Yeah, uh, you know, just because of notoriety. Yeah, because they're not yeah. gonna put you in like a holding cell or something. Well, I've been in those too, but like once they actually house you. Yeah. Yeah, they put they put people like me by myself. Ugh, which is uh, gotta be hellish. I mean, I remember we talked about not that long ago what it was like before when you when you were not in a good place and you did what like three weeks in solitary. Yeah, man. Sounds- yeah, and it was just as bad the first day as it was towards the end. So it was it was. Uh, you know, is, is, see, at that time, I'm coming down off of, you know, coke and and meth and and whatever else I had. My mainly those two things, right? Uh, and tons of it to the point where you know I'm like hallucinating and shit back then. Mm-hmm. And you know, so mentally, just in an awful place, and then being in in confinement, you know, uh, like that. It's that that alone, without all the other stuff will make somebody go crazy eventually. So when, when the cops, before you get to solitary confinement, when yeah, the cops, yeah. when the cops say, Oh yeah. This well, we is, skipped way, I skipped ahead way too far. We need to back up here a little bit. Let's yeah. back up. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when you, so they're holding you there cause you told them about the cannabis straight up and they're like, okay, we're going to find out what else oh, we yeah, can yeah. find here. Yeah. So that's, that's what he said. Like once I was telling him like, that's all I have. He goes, you better not have anything else or blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't remember the exact words, but like, and I was just like, and in my, and I'm just thinking, well, good thing, man. Good thing. I don't have anything else. Cause, yeah. whew, cause this guy's stiff. 
you know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think to myself, well, even if I don't, he's going to make sure it seems like I do. <laughs> so he finds the pills that you have for a yeast infection. And... Yeah, they're capsules by Solar Ray. I, I put a tweet out of uh, um, a picture of the, the bottle they come in. I got them from Vitamin Shop. And, so, and They're from Vitamin Shop? They're not even like weird? No. Like I could go and buy them right now. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely. So, so the capsules, the, the cops are saying was meth. Yes. I could buy from Vitamin Shop. Yes, like go on, look at the yeast, yeast cleanse capsules by Solar A and read the ingredients, grapeseed extract, uh, things like that, you know? Okay, so when he pulls out your over-the-counter vitamin shop pills and he's like, this is meth. No, he never said one word about it to me. I was okay. sitting off a little, like 20 feet away and they just kept, this guy just kept talking about cannabis and THC. He tried not to let on to me. I could hear him talk about meth a little bit. And I knew I was like, okay, they're testing stuff just to see, mm -hmm. but it'll be fine. You know? Right. So little did I know, you know, and, and okay, like two hours or so into this, you know, they couldn't get anybody to, you know, uh, take me to jail. And, and they found the probation officer card in my, in my wallet from the, the, uh, I was arrested for, I got pulled over, I had weed in a car not like a, a year and a half ago or something like in, in, in Pennsylvania. It was just, you know, when these times were happening, nobody knew about it. And I, it wasn't like I'm going to get on Twitter and go, oh, in case nobody knew, uh, <laughs> I got arrested. Oh, you do your own job for yourself. I'm not doing it for you. Right, right, right. You know? But that was just weed too. Yeah, well, no, I did have I did have some pills, but uh, some some Xanax that were in in there, but it was a leftover bottle, and um, I have I don't really I hadn't really been taking them anymore at that point. And that was a year ago. It was an old ass bottle too, and that's why they they gave me shit about it. But that was I ended up just settling like uh, on a paraphernalia charge. Gotcha. Okay. So they find the that was the probation that they violated on me by telling them. That's why they had to come up with this meth charge felony possession to get them to extradite me. So I was about to be extradited. Wow. Yeah. You know how that goes, right? They don't fly you first class when they extradite you. Is that right? No business either. No, man. <laughs> I don't even think it's coach, Sam. I think you're on the bus and I'm not talking about the Greyhound either. <laughs> wow. So, so that's what they want to do. They want to, for whatever reason, throw the book at you. Yeah, this guy did. The yeah. other two guys were going along with it, but they were not happy about it. I but see. to me, when you're going along with something, you're just like you're kind of just almost as bad. Like at least that guy's not a good person. Gotcha. These two guys were good guys, and they were going along with it. Gotcha. You know, for their job or what, however. Maybe they really thought I had that stuff. Yeah, and and like you said, I mean, you can't blame them for thinking that you did, right? Right, but like when it doesn't test positive, like. Don't like finagle it and try to make it test positive. You right, know, or, right. It's one thing to suspect you, yeah. but when they realize that, like, yeah. oh, it's not what I thought it was. It's time to throw yeah. the towel in. It's, and the whole time, they're like, I can hear the guy, like, hear little things being said. You know, yeah. I couldn't hear everything, but little things like, and one, one time when he was laying everything out, like it was all being laid out like a showcase. You know, and I could hear him go, "We got to make this look good." You know, wow. and like literally those exact words. And then uh, um, 
anyways, get me back on track here. So, okay. So, uh, uh, he's saying we got to make this look good. He tests the, the, the vitamin shot pills. The, yeah. And, and at what point do they go, okay, we're, you're going to jail? Well, anyways, they came back a couple hours in, two, three hours into it. The guy comes back and he goes, we got to redo all of this. Oh I hear him God. say that. We're going to change all of this. And so they had to redo everything because whatever they, however they did it, what didn't work as far as getting somebody to, because even with the probation in Pennsylvania, they were like, no, we don't want him. No, we don't, we're not going to take him over that. So they, you're right. I mean, they couldn't, they were, they were looking for somebody to put you in a jail somewhere. Yes. And they couldn't find yeah. anybody. Yeah. I just wonder if, I wonder if they realized that it was going to turn into this biggest story though. Yeah, I mean, no, man, I don't know. I, I, eyeballs might be on them now. Well, yeah, especially if stuff starts to come back and it, and your story starts to pan out. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, well, what only, are you doing? only way my story wouldn't pan out, Sam, is if they literally planted shit on me. And I just have a hard time believing that would happen. Yeah, I would hope to possible. God that, yeah. It's out of the question. All right, so now they have to redo the stuff. Yeah. And then how do they how do you end up going to jail? Okay, eventually like another couple hours later. Uh and and the whole time, right? They never said anything about meth to me. And finally I'm like, "Man, I got to go to the bathroom." And this one guy was real nice and he like brought over some gu- like gummy bears and I'm like, "I can't eat that." Like I I felt bad cuz he was trying to be nice. And he comes back and brings me a bag of peanuts, you know. Wait, 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 wait. So you're like this is like you're in this room, right? You're yeah. trapped in there. They're going through yeah. all your stuff. They're obviously trying to pin you on a drug charge. They're trying. Something's happening here, and you're this crazy addict trying to sell meth, but you can't eat the gummy bears because you're under no sugar. There's no sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so like <laughs> like the dichotomy of what they're trying to paint as versus what's actually happening is yeah. kind of hilarious from an outsider's perspective yeah it it, it would have fit just fine with me 10 years ago yeah or 50, uh, but sean waltman 2017 not so much sam okay so 10 years ago are you eating the gummy bears yeah i mean whatever <laughs> man yeah okay. I, I don't i didn't like myself so why would i want to even take care of myself right right and, and also a guy who needs meth so badly that he's bringing it on a cross-country flight is yeah. probably not thinking so far in advance, like, oh, let me not have sugar because, you know, it's just funny. So, um, okay, so you go to the bathroom, they bring you peanuts, they kind of, there's yeah, the one the whole, guy. And when they, okay, this is what I was going to tell you. When, when you're walking me to the bathroom, the guy's telling me, this is what's going to happen. Uh, pretty soon, we're going to let you go, and da 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 And so the, then I'm actually thinking, Really? They might they might actually go home here. Because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I'm so screwed. They're gonna figure something out here. You know? And then I and then like uh I the guy kept coming out frustrated, like it this didn't work or that didn't work. And finally, right before uh I got cuffed, probably ten minutes before, the guy comes out with this fax from the judge with an extradition order. Jumping for joy, Sam. He was jumping for joy, man. Like he just won the freaking lottery. He was so happy that my life was about to be ruined. Like what? As far as he knew. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So 
So he's jumping. I mean, for even joy. if he's doing his job and he, he's a hardcore like at his job, uh, what they call a jobs worth in uh, in in the UK, uh, um, like what kind of person would take uh, get joy out of watching other persons? you know, life be destroyed, whether they did it to themselves or not. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Even you would think like, like I, even if you're watching, let's say everything they were saying about you was true. It's still like, it's a bummer to see a person falling apart. It's even worse when you know, I can't prove this. I don't actually think there's anything here, but you still, you want to be right so badly that you're excited when something bad happens to this other person. And, yes. and, and you know, the, the whole thing, too, and I got this, and I totally get this. It was a major pain. And I even explained, uh, told those guys how sorry I was when they walked me to the bathroom, the two nice guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I could tell that's a huge pain in the ass. I'm really sorry, you guys. Like, I just, I'm like, when is it that you guys are ever uh, checking people on the way out? Like, I just, if I didn't, you know, if that was a thing. I would have been more careful and not done this to you guys. Right. Because you've, because I mean, yeah, because what started all this was just bringing cannabis on, right? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. 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 On a, on a flight where like, you know, get on there, eat, like stuff, go to sleep. Right. You know? Right. Right. So, uh, so they're jumping for joy and this means they get to bring you to jail. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, and then, and then this thing happens. Okay. So finally, uh, Airport police come, which is basically LAPD. And then a big argument happens between them, you know, because it's the feds versus the state. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to take me. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the police don't want to take me. So the- and there was an like, argument going on and, you know, they went off and sidebarred to where I couldn't hear. And apparently, like, it got even, you know, more heated. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, you know, the one the one officer, his name was Officer Chan, really, really helped me a lot, man, because he wrote some phone numbers down on my on my pink slip you get when you're arrested. If I didn't have those numbers, I'd have been screwed. Like, who knows phone numbers off the top of their head? Oh, so it was like, who are some people you want to call? Can I call on a on a on a jail phone that you got to do that collect call shit that nobody takes collect calls anymore? Right. Oh my God! So how even like so you know I'm thinking okay by the time anybody knows where I'm at I'm gonna be on a bus handcuffed to somebody else and on the way back to Pennsylvania or some shit you know yeah so so that guy yeah, thank God fight. yeah he really did so so once you get to jail once you're in solitary are you like panicking because. I shouldn't be here to begin with, so I don't know when I'm getting out. Or the fact that you had those phone numbers and a couple of people that you trusted—did it make it be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. This will be okay. Um. Well, I couldn't get a hold of anybody because you know people don't take the collect calls. Right. So you're so, sitting there. You're sitting there. No idea how long you're gonna be in there. Yes. And then I figured, well, word already got out, and it sounds really bad, and everybody's kind of maybe just going, oh, shit, we were, like, he fell off. Maybe we were wrong about him. Like, right. you know, that went through my mind, too, Sam, and understandably, you know? So even thinking that I very well maybe like, not very well, but, like, I I might be uh, on my own on this, I'm, like, I'm still okay because I'm, I'm sober, mm-hmm. uh, I'm healthy. Uh, I just 
rescued this beautiful uh, Pomeranian, Kevin and I, Kevin Undergaro. I saw him. Uh, yes, and I just and and you know I just kept thinking about that. Yeah. Although I was bummed out that I might be in jail a long time and and then like you know she'll have to go somewhere else. But yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah, man. Still, that's a, that's what I'll tell you when I heard the news that you were just kind of MIA. I thought the idea of you relapsing, it was it was definitely in my head, but it was like down on the list. I was like, I, oh, there, right. I like in my mind, based on on who you are today, I honestly thought something's up here. You know what I mean? There's just something weird. Nope. I missed you. Oh, I you said were, I, I lost you on you were saying based on based on based on the guy that I know today. I was uh-huh. like something weird just happened. I said that yeah. I, I, God forbid he fell off or maybe there was some kind of tragedy or something and, and you know, God forbid, but I, I figured that there was just something odd happening and I, and, yeah. and I luckily, you know, I, I reached out to a couple people and they let me know and then you got back to me when you could. Um, so you're out now. Yep. And what are we, what's the, what's the status? I'm uh, just waiting to go to, uh, court on twenty fifth, and there was a. I had an old warrant out here for for like when I was still with China. Mm-hmm. I I wrecked the Viper and I like I was drunk. Yeah, this is like my DUI. It's my only DUI. Um, I uh, we were drinking all night, and I just decided to go to the grocery store, and uh, <clears throat> so I got in the Viper. It was sprinkling, although the road was wet, and I spun out and hit a car. And I was like, oh, I'd rather get a hit and run than a DUI. So I just, there's nobody in the cars. So I just took off. Went to the Ralph's, uh, the grocery store, got some food. Mm-hmm. Like, spent about an hour there. I just came back home right on the same way I, you know, the same route I took on the way there. And I'm speeding on the way home. And boom, <laughs> I get pulled over right there where the accident happened. They pull me out of the car. And then some guy runs up and goes, that's him. You know, and like stooges me off, and and the the, the vipers all crashed up anyway, so they knew right. I'd been a wreck. So I ended up with a DUI and a hit and run. Ugh. And I guess I didn't finish all the whatever I needed to do for that. So there, so that's that's on there. Yeah, I mean that's that's really like. Yeah. What? That's what is, not what is a that? Huge, huge deal. Like no matter what, like I, it's that something a- that just needs to be taken care of. Is that just a fine or something? Like that's not. I have something... no idea. I have no idea, but I'm sure it probably is. Yeah, man. So, but 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 so, are they out testing the? Do, do the drugs get retested now? Yeah, because like, and... that was like that was one of those field drug test things they use. Like that's not a laboratory analysis. Those things are bullshit. They yeah. can make they can get whatever they want to test positive for whatever they want if they have to look read up about those tests and what's tested positive a chocolate bar tested positive for this thing you know different medications tested positive for cocaine and meth and and shit like that so it's just it's really common how really common you don't have to mention any names you don't want to mention but how are your friends that you still have because you have a lot of friends at wwe you're backstage there whenever they're in la Uh, oh yeah how are your friends at WWE reacting? Do they believe you? Are they, I mean, cause you can always tell, are they like a little iffy with like, Oh, all right, kid, let's see, let's see how it pans out. 
seem to be, they seem to be, uh, they seem to have faith in me. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I've said already, like I, 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 and I told them like, don't feel bad if you have a little doubt in your mind. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't feel guilty about it at all. I understand. But it, but it seems so, like, it seems like people have your back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And all that, that huge amount of cash I had with me. <laughs> one of my friends, one of my the closest friends, like texted me, uh, kiddo, $736. You're the, the worst meth dealer of all time. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what they said. You had like 700 bucks in your pocket and they were like, well, obviously it was, he, he was going over to the UK to sell meth. And you're yeah. like, I had $700 and a bottle of pills from Vitamin World. <laughs> I don't know. You are a bad drug dealer. Yeah. I've never, I've never sold a drug in my life, Sam. Really? Ever. No way. I've always, I've bought tons of them. I've just <laughs> never sold any. Even in like a, you were never that guy in a locker room that was like. Hey, to- let me, I'll get this for you. Like just as a buddy system thing and then take the money. Like just not, not even that man. Wow. And like when somebody would go, Hey, like. You know, can I get some of that from you? I'll pay you for it. I'm like, I don't sell drugs, but you can, you know, you can have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've never sold my drug. I've given some of them away in the past. Yeah. You know? But. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I would encourage, here's here's what, what people should do. They should check out your podcast, Xbox 12360, if for no other reason than just to be able to watch you. First, like, look, in my mind, Somebody who's still using meth is not doing a weekly podcast. You know what I mean? The fact that you've been able to pull off doing a weekly podcast. Here's what, for those of you. 35 weeks in a row. 35 weeks in a row. And I haven't missed one. Even this week when I was in freaking jail and was about ready to be freaking extradited. I still made the show. Here's Here's what people may not realize that you're doing with your time out there in L.A. You're literally doing Maria Menounos's. Sirius XM show every morning and it's 10 right. it's 10 a.m. every morning and you're there and you're on the air you can't fake that and Maria is not right. going to cover for you because she's not going to put her reputation on the line for you that's crazy so you're doing right. you're doing Maria's show every morning you're part of the tomorrow show which airs live twice a week on uh, Monday and Thursday uh, over at the tomorrowshow.com yeah, we just and I was and I made it on the show on Monday. I, I didn't miss that one on Monday. And and you're doing Xbox Xbox One Two Three Sixty, which is the video show and slash podcast. So you can get the audio right. on iTunes, but you can see the video. And the point that I'm getting at is not just the consistency of the fact that you've maintained these things over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, but you can watch the videos. You know what I mean? You can see yep. that you look. Healthy. I mean, you know, every everybody can point out to whatever uh, twitching or whatever that you've literally always done since I've known you. That a lot, a lot of that is is residuals from all those years of, you know, yeah. of all of that. Yeah. yeah. I, I and and I totally see like I see that myself now that people have mentioned it. Yeah. And there's like times where my jaw might move funny or whatever. And yeah, yeah. I don't know if that'll ever go away. <laughs> but that's just. I mean, it's just like any other scar, I guess. But yeah. but but the point is, like, you're maintaining coherency 
And not only coherency, but a pretty high level of intelligence across all these platforms completely regularly. Like, that's not – the old Xbox, that's not happening. The old Xbox – Every couple weeks is going to fall out of touch for a little while and then pop back up over here and he's doing this and he's doing that. The yep. the, the level of consistency as well as uh, uh, the diet that you're on as well as the fact that I am vouching for the time that I've spent with you. Like I wouldn't – I don't have any reason to lie about it. So yep. that's that's what makes me believe what you're saying. And, and the fact that like Kevin Undergaro and people like that who I trust and – Simply wouldn't lie for you because they wouldn't put their reputation on the line. Exactly. All believe you as well. So, you know how much that means to me, Sam, that people are willing to put their stick their necks out for me now? Yeah, well, you've earned it, I, I think. I've worked my ass off, man. It's been hard. Like, it it, it didn't just all of a sudden ha- – I didn't just have this epiphany white light experience and I was better like some people, man. Right. This was a long, hard journey out of the darkness with a couple of times falling back into it man before i actually got it right yeah or not more than a couple of times yeah dude so, yeah yeah like i said i mean i wouldn't I, I wouldn't i would i would have picked up on it if it was going on then and it wasn't man you know and i was i was i was frank i was worried about you last time i was, I was worried about you when china died yeah. Um, just because and even then, man, I didn't even come close to falling off. I yeah. had my dog. Yeah. That was, I mean, you know, yeah. So. And, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't been worried about you in a, in a really long time. So, uh, I would encourage everybody, like I said, go and, and you can hear the full story as well, right out of, uh, Xbox mouth. If you go to Xbox one, two, three, sixty, are you going to, what are you, are you going to, are you going to wrestle, out there, can you leave California? I, or no? I, as far as like, I mean, my probate, my uh, my bail, like bondsman, probably doesn't want me leaving the state. Right. Uh, I do have a show this weekend, and uh, and thank, I want to thank Marcus from uh, APW in San Francisco because he's like, you're welcome in my locker room anytime. So I will be in, I will be at the Cow Palace this weekend. Oh, that's awesome at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Yeah. That's yeah, right. and I'm very grateful to him and, and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone that's, uh, you know, sticking behind me on this and at least at least giving me the benefit of the doubt, you know. You know, it's funny. This is totally unrelated, but I was watching uh, footage of you last night that was a little bit old because we had Chris Gethard on the show today. Oh, yeah. So I was yeah. looking up all the old shows and I was watching your uh, this spot you did on, on Chris Gethard's show. It was really funny. Oh, I had a great time doing that, man. Because I had had some, I had some, some pretty bad matches, like uh, right before that, uh-huh. and I was really down about, like, man, I just don't even want to wrestle anymore. Because every time I have a match, they're always terrible, and you know, uh, maybe not. I don't want to be, I don't want to say it like that, but they're just they haven't been, they hadn't been the best. And that match on that on Chris Gethard show, which is a sketch comedy show or something, and. Anyways, that was one of the best matches I still to this day have had in a while. <laughs> That's it was awesome. Fun. It was yeah. fun. And Pat Buck and you know Kurt Hawkins and Rhino and And John Chris Hamm. John Hamm. John Hamm. Yeah, yeah. Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. Like, look, you know, if there's anything uh we can do for you, I can do for you, just uh say the word, dude. I really appreciate it, Sam. Your friendship means a lot to me, man. And uh 
Give my best to Jim. I hope uh, and and everyone out out there at Sirius. I will. I absolutely will. And uh, thanks for doing thanks for doing the show. And I hope uh, I hope it helps. Thanks, man. Of course it does, Sam. Thanks, man. Have an awesome day. Yeah, for sure. You too, man. Here is Sam Roberts. I'm interested in, in, in hearing what you guys thought of that. You can always uh, tweet me at NotSam. My Facebook is Facebook slash NotSam. Uh, a lot of, by the way, a lot of very smart on my Facebook. A lot of very smart messages were sent to me about some things that uh, uh, my guest last week, Vince Russo, had said on his podcast that I was unaware of uh, and really, 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 really disagree with. Uh, and I really wish that I had... Uh, done a little more research before I had Vince Russo on last week. So I could have at least addressed some of the stuff that he had said that I really, really disagree with. Regardless of all that, that's last week. Um, reach out to X-Pac. You can reach out to him on Twitter. Uh, he checks his tweets and everything. Download his podcast uh, and support the guy. You know, if, if he's lying to all of us, we'll know when he's lying. But I have no reason to think that he's lying. I just don't. I I believe the guy. He's a friend. And uh, I am a skeptic by nature. I'm a skeptical person. So uh, and so thanks to Xbox for telling his story. It was really, really great. Uh, speaking of really, really great, doing Payback, the kickoff show at Payback uh, last weekend was amazing. And it really struck me after the show was over because... You know, I seen there was it was Renee, myself, Jerry Lawler on the panel, and Sasha Banks joined us, which was, I mean, a couple of things struck me. So I'm going back, I'm looking at photos. Number one, it's amazing that you know I kind of got to know Sasha Banks uh, as a performer when she was coming up in NXT, and we did a couple interviews together, and 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 that road has taken us to the point where we're now on the same kickoff show for WWE. It really is mind-blowing to me. Uh, but what else was really mind-blowing, I was looking at these at the photos, and it kind of hit me all of a sudden. They, I'm 33. I grow up in the Attitude Era. You know, I'm in high school in the Attitude Era. Jerry Lawler and the King. Like, Jerry Lawler is an icon of WWE play-by-play. And sitting there looking at this photo and realizing that I had just hosted this kickoff show with Jerry the King Lawler was like, it blew my mind for a second. So again, you know, I every time I get to do it, I try to thank them, but so much thanks to everybody at WWE for letting me be a part of that. It really, it really is amazing. Um, it, it, it's it's mind-blowing every time, and I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to do it. You know, uh, I, I talked to a, a lot of you guys on the show, here on the podcast, who are uh, small business owners. Some of you are big business owners. Either way, you may be looking to hire people, right? And good help is very hard to find. What you want to find are the best candidates. You can't post your job in one place. You're not going to find everybody. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. Who has the time? Well, I've got great news. I have the solution for you. Use ZipRecruiter. They've already got 9 million resumes that you can search through in their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team to find the best hire. So you don't have a bunch of people running around like chickens with their heads off, everybody looking at the same resumes. You get together as a team 
and you can kind of section off and you can find the best people. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with one single click. ZipRecruiter's handy website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches. You find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once, once, and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails, no calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. And if you run into any issues, don't fret. ZipRecruiter's friendly and human, emphasis on human, not a robot, support staff is ready to help. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been featured on Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, The New York Times, TechCrunch, CBS, and now Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast and why it's been used by over 1 million businesses. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, for free, by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. One more time, to try this for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Sam. Huge stuff going on. Huge stuff going on in the world of, of wrestling, in the world of WWE. So let's go straight to the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Let's talk about Bray Wyatt. There is, before I even get there, everybody knows what a Bray Wyatt fan I am. Anybody that's listened to this podcast with any kind of regularity, even if you've only listened here and there in the past, you should by now know that I have literally threatened to commit crimes of arson if Bray Wyatt wasn't winning matches. Sometimes those threats have been idle, but every time that Bray won and I threatened arson, the threats were not idle. I really would have burned the building down, but I didn't have to in those instances. The other instances when... I, he lost, and I said I would burn down the building. Those that, those were idle threats. But the other ones, I promise you, the other ones, I promise you, were legitimate. Everybody knows what a Bray Wyatt fan I am. But there was one thing to me that was clear this week above all else with concerns to Bray Wyatt, and that is that at this moment in time, less is more. Both at payback and on Monday Night Raw this week we had great moments for Bray Wyatt that were overshadowed by moments that were not received well and and it's like and 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 they were happening in the same night so we start with the pay-per-view and you know I don't mind storytelling being told untraditionally. I don't mind uh, figuring out new settings, new places, new locations, new ways of filming. I don't mind any of that. I don't mind the idea of the House of Horrors match. I don't mind them fighting in a house. I don't mind, especially if it's a $30,000 house. It's kind of like a crack den match. But I didn't mind it. I I didn't even mind the presentation of it. I don't think that it belonged on a pay-per-view. I think that if you had taken that segment, right, you could have you could tell, 
and again, this is Monday morning quarterbacking. Everything's twenty twenty in hindsight. You could tell that Randy Orton Bray Wyatt story, especially this last leg of it post WrestleMania, in a non traditional wrestling narrative, not dissimilar to what happened with the broken storyline in TNA. You know, where something like what happened at the House of Horrors match fits. But all the stuff that happened at that house belonged on the go-home episode of SmackDown. All the stuff that that happened in that house at that show belonged on SmackDown with a thing at the end of it that says this continues in San Jose at Payback. Because, you know, I mean, I get that you're supposed to suspend your... There's supposed to be a suspension of disbelief. But everybody, everybody, everybody made comments about the fact that it was dark outside at the House of Horrors, but in San Jose it was still light when the pay-per-view ended. Everybody, you know, made comments about it. The the, the, the crowd, you lost the live crowd for the pay-per-view while that part was happening. You know, the, the audience rebelled, frankly, against the house portion, the in-your-house portion of the House of Horrors match. And I think if you had done something that was a little more of just like a violent, hard-hitting match, that maybe it started, maybe a week ago, they were in this house. Maybe this house was where Bray grew up, Right? And Randy had had shown up and and was ready to do more damage to it, and Bray caught him in the house. Because then, if it's if we know it's a pre-recorded segment, it's almost it almost becomes like a vignette. Then we can do all the editing tricks we want. It doesn't matter if it's day, it doesn't matter if it's night, it doesn't matter if the sky is purple. Now you're watching something where a story is being told. That segment works as a storytelling segment in something that is the build to a match at a pay-per-view. And the fact is that I was sitting in the audience during the in-ring portion of the House of Horrors match. I was sitting in the audience when Bray and Randy were in the ring, when Jinder Mahal and the Jinderheads came out, when all that stuff happened. And all that stuff worked great with the live audience. All that stuff, the audience in San Jose was great, and all that stuff worked perfectly. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the in-ring later on in the evening portion of that match. But there was something wrong with the pre-tape part. And to me, what was wrong was that method of storytelling has a place in the build to a match, not in the placement of a match. You know, I, I get that times are changing, and I get that it 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 becomes uh, a new. You have to you you have to acknowledge that uh, it a, a time comes when you have to tell stories in new ways on your show. And I'm all for that. I'm all for evolution. I'm all for change. But at the end of the day, people watching WWE want things settled in the ring. Mono e mono, one on one, and it takes away from the match when you realize, oh wait, this stuff that's going on in the house, all this the the edited together in house stuff, 
This is taking the place of a match. This isn't hyping up a match. This is taking the place. Remember when uh, when Triple H and Randy Orton had their feud? Remember uh, Triple H, I think it was, broke into Randy Orton's house or vice versa? Well, um, that segment, to me, worked on Monday Night Raw as a way to tell the story of how much Triple H and Randy Orton loathed each other, how personal this rivalry had become. But if I had thought to myself, this segment of of a guy breaking into another guy's house is taking the place of the match that I'd like to see, I, I I wouldn't be as happy. So especially since we knew, right, it was announced earlier in the evening that that House of Horrors match would have to end inside the ring, we know that the match isn't ending in the house. So why start the match in the house? Why be in the house that evening? Why not be in the house on the SmackDown before the pay-per-view? Then have some kind of no-holds-barred thing where there's weird weapons, there's you know all kinds of odd stuff in the ring and around the ringside area. Maybe there's a, a certain section of the building that Bray Wyatt has taken over. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is just the match where, because it's it's something that Bray Wyatt designed, maybe it's something where he gets to unleash his whole bag of tricks. All the mind games that he would normally play, he gets to do them all. Maybe mid-match, Randy Orton is on the screen upside down and then disappears, and Randy's like, huh, what was that? And then Bray Wyatt hits him in the face with a 2x4. You know, all kinds of stuff. That's horrifying to me. Not only not understanding why my photo's upside down, but then getting clocked over the head with a 2x4. That sounds terrifying. I wouldn't want any part of it. That fits House of Horrors in my mind. So that's where I think that fell a little short, and it was a shame because the fact that the in-ring portion worked and it worked with the live crowd makes me believe that it's not that there's just a level of disinterest in the characters. Um, we move on then, and that's why I say you had this this portion of the match that worked, but the pre-recorded portion, the house version portion of the match, was so ill-received that it not only took away from the match as a whole, but it took away from the whole pay-per-view. Like, to me, payback was pretty good, and I think it, almost every match really beat everybody's expectation. I don't think people were expecting Braun Strowman to win. And even if they were, were happy when he did. I don't think anybody was expecting Jericho to win. I don't think people were expecting Alexa Bliss to win. You know, there there, there, there were all these things that happened where you're like, whoa, okay, hey, what's going on here? And it became this show that's like, okay, there's something really, there's noteworthy stuff happening. And then it kind of gets uh, uh, overshadowed by this weird House of Horrors thing that probably should have been done on television. Then we go to Raw the next night. And the triple threat match is fantastic. The triple threat match that ended Raw on Monday was terrific. I mean, the pacing of it, the storytelling behind it, the way it's like, you know, there, there was this acknowledgement. I thought the the uh, the interview segment 
where Dean Ambrose kind of set this whole thing up was really cool too because for the first time there's this acknowledgement that there is a history between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor and even though Seth Rollins is a changed man and even though Seth Rollins has has shifted his viewpoint Finn Balor has not forgotten Finn Balor is still remembering you're the guy who took me out and I'm the guy that deserves a title shot you know we can team together but you and I we are not going to be friends you and I are not going to we can we can we can be on the same page but the minute you try to take what's mine I'm going to remind you what you did and then the Miz come comes out who to me and I've said this before he, he's I was worried about him coming to raw and I'm not worried anymore because he's the top bad guy on Raw in my mind. But sometimes things are skewed for me because I find Braun Strowman to be the best good guy. So I think I think Miz is the best bad guy on Raw right now. Everything he does is compelling. He makes it so like, you know, years ago, if the Miz had won that triple threat match on Raw, there would be this collective groan like, oh, come on, the Miz again? And now you can feel it. People are excited. And even though Dean Ambrose and the Miz both came from SmackDown, fact is, this storytelling right now is better. I care more about the Dean Ambrose-Miz story that's happening on Raw than I cared about the one that happened on SmackDown a few months ago. I'm back in. I'm all in with it. And the ending to the to the thing was great. We now have this picture of what the uh, Raw's pay-per-view in June looks like, where you're, you're theoretically going to have an intercontinental title match between Dean Ambrose and The Miz. You're theoretically going to have a rematch between uh, Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe. Theoretically, you'll have a rematch between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. And you've got this amazing, cool match, which I am super excited about, where it's Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. And I don't know if the Demon comes out for the pay-per-view in June or if we're going to wait until SummerSlam, one year since the last time we saw the Demon King. Are we going to see the Demon back before SummerSlam. If it were up to me, I would say no. I would say give the Demon King a year off, a full year, and then he pops it up again. And it's like, okay, we're really establishing that this is a, a, a special version of Finn Balor. So um, I found Bray's appearance in the Triple Threat to be fantastic. Him taking out Finn Balor, like I, I actually found this one to be more effective than last week's interruption, because last week I was left confused. Is he mad at Dean Ambrose or Chris Jericho or The Miz? Like, what exactly is going on? This week it feels like we're back on track. This week it feels like we're going back to where we were during that first episode of Raw of the Superstar Shakeup in April. Um, but. You know, the promo with Kurt Angle was weird. The promo with Kurt Angle earlier in the night was a weird one because I don't know that it accomplished much. Unless 
we're going to end up seeing some kind of Bray Wyatt Kurt Angle match, maybe at SummerSlam. Even then, I just I I don't know that now is the greatest time to do that. It felt like Bray was just kind of doing the sort of basic Bray stuff. There was nothing specific about it. Whereas, if we hadn't seen Bray, we would almost have forgotten that Bray was even on the Raw roster. And then all of a sudden, he just pops up in that match on Raw, in that in that main event, and interrupts it, and drops Finn Balor. And it's like, oh my god, I forgot Bray Wyatt. That's what I think Bray Wyatt needs. I think if he's not going to have his gang of misfits around him, if the Wyatt family is not going to be a thing that's in play, then why not add some more mystique to Bray Wyatt? You know, why not make it so that he only cuts promos every now and then? Why not make it so the actions of Bray Wyatt are things that we have to question? Let's rebuild Bray Wyatt as a character so that we trust that everything that Bray does has a reasoning behind it. Everything that Bray does has a meaning. Everything that Bray does uh, uh, is, is a consequence of something or something that will result in a consequence. It's methodical. It's well thought out. Bray Wyatt needs to become WWE's greatest chess player where he's moving all these pieces. The only way that we can develop this reputation for Bray Wyatt, the only way this becomes a reality where people do treat Bray this way is over time, there has to be examples of this coming to fruition. Over time, there has to be examples of this working. You know, we have to we have to see, well, you know, we didn't know where this was going before and that's that's that long-term investment that you have to have in the character. Ah, we didn't see this coming before, but now this that went there, so this is probably going here and blah blah blah. And Bray doesn't give you all the answers. Maybe a Bray Wyatt promo only comes once every 3 weeks. Maybe there's only one or two promos between each pay-per-view and the rest of the stuff is told by action. Maybe Bray doesn't wrestle that many matches. Not because he can. I think he's a great wrestler. But maybe Bray's appearances are limited in the sense that he's on TV just about every week, but he just jumps in here or there. Maybe he just appears. Maybe he's in the audience. Maybe he's just watching. Add a little Papa Shango to him, you know? Maybe he is interfering in matches without actually doing what we see happen in every match, without him doing just a, a typical run-in. I don't know if you want to go as far as having him make, you know, Finn Balor drip black oil out of his forehead. I would probably say not. But why not screw with him a little bit? Maybe the lights should be flickering. Borrow some Undertaker. Borrow Bray Wyatt at his best is all the best parts of The Undertaker, of Papa Shango, and of Waylon Mercy brought together in a package that is surrounded by a familial wrestling group that includes IRS and Barry Windham. You combine Erwin R. Scheister, Barry Windham, Waylon Mercy, The Undertaker, Papa Shango, and maybe a little Kane, 
And you've got, if you take all the best part of those people and you put them in a pot, you got a monster. You got a machine. But you got to be disciplined about it. You got to know what you're taking from each character. And that's what has to be on display for the people. And you got to know when to push forward and you got to know when to pull back. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. Don't count your money while it's sitting at the table. You know what I mean? Don't be a gambler. Make 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 bets that make sense. Don't be a gambler. Be a planner. It's not checkers. It's chess. Bray needs to needs needs to pull back. At the moment, you know, let the spotlight be on Finn Balor. I want to see more Finn Balor on TV, less Bray Wyatt on TV, but know that Bray is always there. That's how you get in somebody's head. He's got to implant these ideas. And uh, to me, if Bray Wyatt is being used effectively, then the idea of Bray Wyatt becomes the TV time, right? When you see Finn Balor and you know that Bray Wyatt is in Finn Balor's head, well, that is just as good as seeing Bray Wyatt on television. When you know that Bray Wyatt is affecting his opponent without Bray himself physically being there, that's probably even stronger than Bray actually being there. And it's not just the basics. It's not just, you know, commentators saying like, oh, Finn Balor's got a match with Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt's in his head. It's, it's, you can see it in the face. You can see it in the actions. You can see it in the way, you know, he looks over his shoulder, whatever it is. There's a million ways that you can put it on display. But you've got to do it and you've got to commit to it. And to that, to me, and, and I feel like every few months we're talking about What's going to be the savior of Bray Wyatt's career? To me, that's what it is. I think, personally, I would never have broken up Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. I think that that was a long-term plan. But I don't think that anybody assumed that Bray and Randy together as a team would be as good as they were. Because I loved, I didn't think I would. And I loved Bray and Randy together as a team. You know, and I still think there's more story to be told with that. I think, yeah, you know, there's the idea because Randy is this great talent where you can believe he's this young blue chipper. You can believe him as a legend killer. You can believe him as the Viper. You can believe him as RKO out of nowhere. You can believe him as a good guy. But you can believe Randy Orton as a cult leader. When you look in his eyes, you can believe that he could get people to follow him. Just, I mean, just imagine the idea of like Randy and Bray split, but Luke Harper and Eric Rowan are following Randy as if Randy is the leader. And Bray has to destroy Randy Orton so that his children realize that he, he is the one who controls the power. He is the one who has the whole world in his hands. That's something to me. You know, I, 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 maybe I'm naive. Maybe I don't know when to, when to, uh, when to give it up. I don't know. But I still, to this day, see far more potential in the Bray Wyatt character than is being executed. 
but he can't be doing promos on TV every week. He can't be involved in segments where it's not necessary that he's there. Do you think the Bray Wyatt-Kurt Angle, even if you didn't mind the segment, it wasn't the, even the worst segment of the week. I'm not saying it was this horrendous thing, but the Kurt Angle-Bray Wyatt segment was not necessary. If we had only seen Bray Wyatt, see, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this week on Raw, the only time we see Bray Wyatt is when he interferes in the main event. Next week, we see Bray Wyatt, and it's on the Titantron, maybe right as Finn Balor is coming out. And that's when he does a promo. But then he doesn't open his mouth the week after, you know what I mean? So you're waiting at least two or three weeks before you hear what Bray Wyatt's got to say. Or maybe all he needs to do is speak next week. And he makes it clear. And then he interferes in a match, or he shows up, or he's or or he's backstage, or or you just see maybe all the lights go out and you see you know the titantron goes up if the titantron goes up and you see those bray wyatt cell phone lighters in the air then you're gonna have the audience put up their cell phone lighters and all of a sudden you've got all the bray wyatt lights but the music isn't playing and bray's not there imagine that imagine if finn balor is in the middle of a match right and the lights go out Everybody cheers because they know what it is. Those cell phone lights pop up on the video screens just like they do during Bray's entrance. Everybody goes, oh, whoa, Bray's coming out. So they all instinctively, I would do it with you all, we all put up our cell phones and turn those flashlights on. So now Finn Balor is in the middle of a match. There is no music playing. Bray Wyatt's not out. He looks around and the entire audience has cell phone lights up. Then the house lights just come back on. And he looks around like, what the hell just happened? That's what I'm talking about. And what if that happened? And that was the only presence Bray Wyatt had on the entire episode. Next Raw pay-per-view I don't think is till June, if I'm not mistaken. So you got a few weeks to build. What if Bray Wyatt wasn't on next week and that's all you saw? What if you didn't know if Bray Wyatt was going to be on the show? What if you and Finn Balor was on every week, and you just and you think of creative ways that Bray's presence can be felt? Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not, but his presence is always felt. That, that is where the money is, and I hope that's the direction they somehow go in with Bray Wyatt because right now, you know, last two shows. He's had two segments, and to me, the segments have gone one for two on both shows. And you can't be doing that with somebody like Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is a character that needs to have a pretty perfect batting average. Pretty perfect. I think that there is always time to save things, to improve things, to do whatever it is that you're going to do. But you've got to do it, and you've got to commit to it. That's what I would do. Other than that, as I said, Payback was a really good show. Uh, because of the surprises. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think that this, and it might be because of the superstar shakeup. It might be might be because what a what a big story Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman has become. Uh, I, I don't think that this show was lacking without a universal championship match. I was, I was disappointed to find out that Brock Lesnar would not be defending the universal title. I, that's what I read on the internet. 
would not be defending the Universal title until July. To go from April to July is a long stretch without a Universal Champion. I'm not one of these sticklers for the 30-day rule anymore. I th- The precedent was set. I know people bring up Naomi on SmackDown and everything, but the precedent was set the first time Brock Lesnar won the title. Brock Lesnar won the title, and he wasn't defending it every 30 days. Either the 30-day rule is gone, or it simply doesn't ap- apply to Brock Lesnar. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So I don't think that that's one for anybody to get attached to. And I also think that the Brock Lesnar still adds value without defending it every 30 days. It's an extreme version of my plan for Bray Wyatt, but it's an, but it's a version. Uh, that said, I think to go, what is it, April, all of April, May, June, three and a half, four months, call it three and a half months without a Universal Championship match, that's a long time. Two months, I think, is is good. Three and a half is a long time. Now, granted, he will surely wrestle at SummerSlam, this Brock Lesnar. So you'll have a match in July, then you'll have another one in August, September, October. You'll at least have another one in November, um, December. You'll have, probably have one in January. So, like, you know, once SummerSlam hits, the the, the big four pay-per-views where you're going to see a Brock Lesnar match on are not separated by much. SummerSlam is August. You know, September, October, you got Survivor Series in November, December, January. You've got Royal Rumble, February, March, April. You've got WrestleMania. WrestleMania is where there's the longest stretch. April, May, June, July, August. So, unless the WWE is turning their July pay-per-view into a, a one of the big four, which I could see happening. To me, Great Balls of Fire will go down as one of the top pay-per-views of all time. I think it will be WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Great Balls of Fire. And that, that I think, is pretty clearly going to be the order of things. Great Balls of Fire becomes the next classic pay-per-view. And the way, uh, the way we will sit around and uh, wax poetic about our favorite SummerSlam from 1991 or 1992, one day this generation of millennials will be a bunch of 30, 35-year-old guys sitting around and being like, you know, I was around for the very first Great Balls of Fire. Can you believe that? Yeah, the first one. I know. I know. You think back now and you think to yourself, I felt like Great Balls of Fire had been around forever, but no, no. Did you know there were actually 33 WrestleManias before the first Great Balls of Fire? I know. I know. And now we don't even remember WrestleMania when we talk about Great Balls of Fire. That's the name of the July pay-per-view, if you hadn't read it online. Uh, Great Balls of Fire is going to be the show. Uh, I don't know. I, as I said on Twitter, it worries me. Hell in a Cell, you've got a Hell in a Cell match. Royal Rumble, you've got a Royal Rumble. King of the Ring is a King of the Ring tournament. Elimination Chamber, you've got an Elimination Chamber match. I don't know what Great Balls of Fire means. I think we saw Kane do it to Shane McMahon at one time. But, look... What's in a name, okay? Look, every a lot, I got a lot of tweets this week from people that were like, I can't wait to hear State of Wrestling because I need you, Sam, with your positive spin. Please, 
explain Great Balls of Fire to me. Look, we don't judge books by their covers, okay? There's no reason just because the name of a pay-per-view. That, that, that doesn't dictate. I'm excited. Be excited for Brock Lesnar's first title defense. Is it going to be against Finn Balor? Is it going to be against Seth Rollins? Is it going to be against Roman Reigns? Is it going to be against Braun Strowman? Who cares that it's happening at Great Balls of Fire? I wonder if they're actually going to throw, like, Hulk Hogan, you know, burning paper fireballs at each other at the show. There should be a fireball match. There's got to be something, right? An Inferno match? Something? Great Balls of Fire. I can't explain it. I cannot. I have no idea the mind uh, that came up with that. I, I have no idea why uh, somebody wouldn't have stopped it and said, are you serious? Uh, I did not read uh, any comments from people that were like, oh, finally, a badass pay-per-view. Great balls of fire. But you know what? I'm getting behind it. Wrestling is weird sometimes. My favorite things to watch on the network are like late 2000s WCW. I don't mind seeing weird stuff happen in wrestling. Even when it's questionable in terms of television programming. I don't mind it. So the idea that the pay-per-view is actually being called Great Balls of Fire, to me... That that drives home what I love about WWE is that in reality, publicly traded companies do not have any creative freedom. Every decision that gets made, it's got to go through a board of directors. It's got to it's got to you got to make sure that the the stockholders are going to be okay with it. You got to do this. You got to do that. You have to watch out for how it's going to look. You have to check on the the press for it. Is it bad press? Is it good press? All this stuff. Nothing ever gets done. It's just red tape on red tape on red tape. The fact that WWE was able to name a pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire would lead me to believe that there is no red tape. There is nobody sitting there to say, that's not a good idea, because nobody said it. It's a guy getting to make whatever decisions he wants to make. And daggone it, that's the way it should be. Just a guy making his decisions. And he decided Great Balls of Fire is a pay-per-view that in his 33 years of promoting pay-per-views, he didn't get to do. And he would like to see WWE, might as well be WCW, WWE put on a show called Great Balls of Fire. So let's see the show. On with the show. On with Great Balls of Fire. It's a raw show. So we're going to get to see Michael Cole. We're going to get to hear Michael Cole say it a lot. I don't know how Corey Graves is going to handle it. I think David Otunga will be back by then. You know, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited that this is now a part of history that they're not going to be able to take back. That forever, people will be making uh, 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 blogs about it. What culture is going to be able to do videos about it forever? It's just going to be one of those things. We're getting to witness history. We're getting to witness one of those things that happen and we just can't explain why. Forever, people will be asking, why did you do that? And there will never be an answer that satisfies because there couldn't be one. One doesn't exist. And we get to witness it. We get to live through it. I say bravo. I say let's enjoy being a part of history and creating it as we go. Plus, we get to see a Brock Lesnar title match, so that's not that bad. That's not that bad at all. Um... I do want to talk about uh, a guy who is now officially a free agent. And this is a guy who I've had on the podcast multiple times. And I had him on very, very early 
and said very kind things about him in terms of uh, the him belonging in WWE, and that man is Adam Cole. I have thought the world of Adam Cole uh, in terms of being a performer for a long time. Um, you know, he was he's, he's Ring of Honor champion, and he's showing up dressed business casual with his hair slicked back, even though he really doesn't have to. You know, just because he wants to portray that image. His interviews were good. He's media trained. But then his also, his promos are amazing. He wrestles multiple different styles. He's believable. He's likable. He's done a lot. And he's still young. He's still in his 20s. Adam Cole is a free agent, no longer under, under contract with Ring of Honor. Um, and, you know, right now the world is his oyster. I think obviously I would love to see him in WWE, but quite frankly, the NXT roster needs him. If Adam Cole decided to go to New Japan for a little while, it's not he would not be missing his opportunity right now. If Adam Cole signed, say, a one-year deal, I wouldn't do two years. You could do two years, I'll bet, and be fine. But if he signed a one-year deal or he signed for a couple of appearances with New Japan just to get it out of his system, I think that would be fine. I think he would have, and not only would that be fine, I think he would have the opportunity to maybe do something not dissimilar to what AJ Styles did. When AJ Styles left TNA, he increased his value tenfold. He became, he he reached his potential when he left TNA. And to me, AJ doesn't go straight from TNA to WWE. AJ needed that time away from TNA when he could do stuff with Ring of Honor and Indies and really kill it in Japan for a little while. It didn't have to be long. Just a little while to remind people that he's in conversation for best in the world. That conversation isn't going to happen if you're just in TNA. It's just the culture of, of, of pro wrestling today. So, I, you know, I, I think Adam Cole would be making a huge mistake if he even considered TNA. But... I think he either needs to go to NXT now or he needs to spend a little bit of time in Japan and then go to NXT. I think he definitely has to go to NXT for the sake of NXT, really. Because then you're in this position where you've got Drew McIntyre. you got Bobby Roode. you got not uh, well, you don't have Nakamura anymore. But you have a few guys. you got Chris Hero, Cassius Ono. You've got a few guys. But you need a few more. And one of those guys that you need is Adam Cole in NXT. So hopefully Adam Cole ends up there. Um, if he does, we'll be, the, we'll be the first to celebrate. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, a, a lot of stuff went on um, this week on, on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, we should applaud the, the run of Jericho. Watch it all, man. A very, very unique run for Chris Jericho over the last, I don't know how long, year or so, I'm estimating. Because in the beginning, in the why, there's a lot of little things that Jericho does that we as wrestling fans just appreciate. You know, I, I said it then, and I'll say it now, the Y2AJ thing for me I didn't like that Jericho won the WrestleMania match, but I enjoyed that they went so far as to put T-shirts out for the team and and broke them up right away and, and kind of turned people off the scent a little bit. 
you know, I think they still surprised some people because they had those shirts. Otherwise, people, everybody would have been like, well, this is just being set up so these two can fight. The fact that t-shirts came out were like, oh, okay. Oh, they're really doing so. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, they got me. Oh, they tricked me. Um, but it wasn't until he and Kevin Owens got together over the summer that it really started coming into its own. And his run from the summer until right now, what was it, eight months or so? May, June, July, August, you know, nine months? In the time it takes to make a baby, Chris Jericho made a career baby. All of Chris Jericho's eras are babies. And guess what? This might be the favorite child. Probably the best looking. Chris Jericho defied, I think, uh, conventional wisdom and defied what anybody thought was possible. I don't think when he first showed up back in WWE, anybody thought he was going to have the run of his career. I think that they thought this could be very cool. I think that they thought this could be, I'm, it's always great to see Jericho back. I'm happy to see him, but I don't think anybody was like, oh yeah, now he's really in his prime. Now he's ready to do it. Nobody thought that the Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho thing would ever be broken. Nobody. But the idea that in 2017, he's still coming up with catchphrases like the list and drink it in and all, you know, like that aren't corny and that aren't just sort of uh, 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 ripoffs of his older stuff. Like it's all new stuff and it's all relevant stuff. It's almost like, you know, He's just aware, Jericho. You know, he comes back and he's wearing the scarves and people are kind of mocking the scarves. So what does he do? He turns it into a part of the show. It's probably why they decided to listen to me with TJP's dab. Part of the show. We can use this. We can utilize it. Let's go. And they did it. And it's effective. And, uh, you know, him coming out with new catchphrases... Him coming out with new moves, having great matches with new opponents, and telling new stories was something that doesn't happen that often. I think that this is this run that Jericho just had was very, very special. Not just because it was good to see Chris Jericho performing at that level, but because it, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So getting to see it, I think is is something that is very cool and I think that we will we will look back on this Jericho run and realize how special it was. And the conversation and it's fair will always be there in terms of what was better, the Chris Jericho Shawn Michaels feud or the Chris Jericho Kevin Owens friendship and then dissolution. And I don't know. I don't know. You know the 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 Shawn Michaels stuff is stuff that I thought it was some of the best rivalry stuff that anybody's ever done. Not just the best stuff Chris Jericho, but the best one of the best rivalries ever. To then have it turned around and see this scenario where there might be something even better by the same guy at this stage is like really cool to see and inspiring and reminds you why wrestling is great. So congrats to Chris Jericho on, on everything that he's done. And I know that you've all enjoyed watching it as much as I have. 
uh, it's interesting what's going on on SmackDown. They really have elevated that United States Championship. And not just because of what Kevin Owens is doing with it, but there is a debate to be had between what's a more important match at the Backlash pay-per-view. Is it Jinder versus Randy? Or is it AJ versus KO? I think, you know, AJ versus KO, to me, is a bigger match. And that's your U.S. title match. It's, it's interesting what's going on because it, you're, you're now in a scenario where the quest for the WWE Championship is being used to elevate a talent in Jinder Mahal. While at the same time, two talents in AJ and KO are being used to elevate a championship, which is the United States Championship. As you watch SmackDown, you're seeing both ends of the spectrum. You're watching a title elevate a talent, and you're watching talent elevate a title. And I think it's a lot of fun to watch. And I love the idea of there being a debate as to what is really the premier match. And it leads to a lot of conversation. If the United States champion is saying SmackDown is his show, then one would think that the WWE champion has an issue with that. One would think that Randy Orton has something to say about that. Or Jinder Mahal has something to say about that. You know, we could... We could be looking at a scenario in 2017 where we have a title-for-title title SmackDown match between AJ Styles and Jinder Mahal with Jinder Mahal holding the higher title. Is that crazy? While at the same time, Fandango and Tyler Breeze are tag champions. Is that crazy? It could happen. The SmackDown after Backlash is going to be an interesting one. we still got a few weeks to go before Backlash, and I'm sure it's just going to continue to build and build, but I... I I enjoy the idea of new and different stuff happening. I think it's really, really cool. And I think it's, it, it, it makes it something that you have to keep your eye on. In the same way the title's being elevated on SmackDown, the Intercontinental title is being elevated through the roof. Through the roof on Monday Night Raw. Through the roof. Watching that, that Rollins-Balor-Miz match was like, yeah. These guys know that is the premier title because it's the one that's on TV. So uh, I think that that's great. Speaking of titles too, uh, the opening segment for Raw this week was really cool. The opening segment where it's all the women sitting up there. All the women are there in the opening segment of Raw this week hashing out what's going on. And again, they're not just doing same old, same old, stereotypical female storylines. They're actually looking at it. Even without Charlotte on Raw, you're able to to flush this thing out. And, you know, Charlotte being off Raw may be a good thing. Maybe the reason that SmackDown was able to create depth in their women's roster was because they didn't have Charlotte or Sasha Banks. They had to make stars. They didn't know what Nikki Bella they were getting or how long they were getting her for. So what do you have to do? You have to add some depth to the roster and make some of these other women big stars. And that's what they did on SmackDown. And I feel like now that Raw is missing Charlotte, they've decided to turn around and they need to 
elevate Alexa Bliss and 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 bring Nia Jax into the fray and bring uh, you know and and keep Bailey as top, but ask questions about Sasha Banks. And now now we're getting to a much bigger playing field. And over on SmackDown, you know it's super cool that you have the the Lady Nexus, including uh, 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 James Ellsworth. I, both shows are doing right by the women at the moment. And as I've said before, if Alexa Bliss is this good, as young as she is, she's in her early 20s. I think she's on the pre-side of 25. She's young. If she's this good, oh, is the world her oyster. Oh, she's going to get great, 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 great. I can't wait to see how well Alexa Bliss does. But I'm very optimistic for it. Very, very optimistic for it. Uh, we got a couple emails that I will uh, um, I will uh, talk about briefly. Uh, one of the emails said we don't want emails. You know, we want your opinion on things. But this is what I'll do. <laughs> First of all, that's not nice. Second of all, I, that's what the purpose of the emails is. I won't just read other people's opinions. But if you have questions, of course, you can go to notsam.com. And you can talk to me via that comment box, and I'll answer some of these. Uh, I got a lot of uh, shout-outs from uh, the uh, TJ Perkins dab on Raw. Again, somebody listening. And I'll say this. You only know what I talk about on the podcast when I brought up the fact that TJ Perkins, you know, needs to do pretty much what he did on Raw, what he did this week. So I, I appreciate people listening. But I'm, gonna tell, I'm not going to tell you what line it is. I'm not going to take credit for it. One of the lines that was used on Raw this week in a promo by a superstar. Yours truly gave it to that superstar at the pay-per-view. I'm not going to say what it is. That's not what this is about. But I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Um, I, I mean, I flipped out when I saw that it was actually that, I, that it was actually being used. Um, as I go through. Uh, uh, some of these uh, emails. This is this is an interesting one. Somebody broke down what they think should happen with 205 Live, and they sent me this whole thing of maybe one of the one of the ways they get more interest in 205 Live and these superstars and and alleviate some of my concern over cruiserweight matches taking me out of Raw for one match and then me having to go back in is and and alleviate some of the stress of Monday Night Raw being three hours long is make 205 Live part of Raw. Meaning from 8 to 9.30, you do Monday Night Raw. From 9.30 to 10.30, you actually do 205 Live. You do an hour of Cruiserweight show. And then from 10.30 to 11.15, you go back to Monday Night Raw and you close out the show. Uh, It doesn't work at all for me. Uh, I don't think that that would work because people want to watch Raw. When they turn on Raw, they want to watch Raw. They do not want to watch 205 Live. So I, to me, that doesn't work, and it, and it gives you even more reason. Like there are people that would walk away from their TVs for an hour. If you know from 9.30 to 10.30 it's 2.05 Live, well, then guess what? You might look for another program to watch, and when you do that, you might not turn back at 10.30. So I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, that works for me. Uh, I saw uh, one person, uh, a few people, submitting that uh, Braun Strowman is a bad guy. Stop saying he's a good guy. All right, well, listen to the audience, and you tell me he's a bad guy. I boo the bad guys, okay? Generally speaking, you're supposed to boo the bad guys, right? That's what I thought. 
Um, I got this is a great question from uh, Charles. You think CM Punk should be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Um, with Triple H running the Hall of Fame, do you ever see him putting CM Punk in? Obviously, if he does, he has to be inducted by Paul Heyman, right? I don't think the conversation of CM Punk going into the Hall of Fame uh, is at all appropriate right now. I think the conversation to be had is, will CM Punk wrestle again? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you he won't. I could see it happening. I could absolutely see it happening. He's not even close to going into the Hall of Fame. He won't be in the Hall of Fame for many years, if at all. If he goes into the Hall of Fame, it'll be in like 15 years. In the meantime, he's in his 30s. He's got 10 years of potential comeback matches in him, at least. So I don't see him doing Hall of Fame anytime soon, uh, but the question to ask is, could he ever have another match? And sure he could. You know, lots of things happen. Weird things happen in the world of WWE. Weird things happen, but they're usually very, very good. That's why we're such big wrestling fans. Thanks to everybody for downloading this show. Don't forget, if you want to get a Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt, a Not Sam t-shirt, a What's the Haps t-shirt, go to notsam.com slash merch, notsam.com slash M-E-R-C-H, merch, and get yourself a t-shirt. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will be back right here next week on Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts' Wrestling Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.